brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechatsplus.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss. So become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. All right, how are we doing out there, Higher Side Chatters? From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood, and it's crazy how much time we spend distracted by digital screens or sequestered away in some office for green paper in a world where people are having real face-to-face experiences with non-human intelligences, aliens, flyers of the craft, spirits, or what have you, and we don't know much more about it today than we did 40 years ago. And whether it's an out-of-body experience, something strange appearing in their bedroom at night, or a lonely drive down a two-lane highway that ends in spaceship surgery, thousands of people experience things that our larger culture just won't accept or even examine. It's a damn shame, because even when people are willing to come forward with their experiences, it's all risk and no reward, as they're often ridiculed, thought of as crazy, or if they had a career in the military or aviation, it might very well be over. And they're no closer to the answers they desperately seek about what the hell that was. Maybe we're being bred and harvested on a planet-shaped people farm, maybe we're being seeded with valuable information to take us into the new age, or maybe Earth is a cosmic truck stop on the way back to Zeta Reticuli. What we do know is that we'll never get any closer to these answers if we don't consider all the options and talk with these experiencers openly and honestly. And today we're going to talk to someone who's done exactly that. Our guest today is Alan Stivelman, a filmmaker all the way from Argentina, who recently released a documentary called Witness of Another World that is the first of its kind to dive deeply into the human side of one particular close encounter, that of Juan Perez, who came face-to-face with some reality-shattering beings in 1978 when he was only 12 years old. And now, over 40 years later, Alan brings the world-renowned Jacques Vallée back to Argentina to find Juan living a simple life in isolation so they can examine the physical, psychological, and emotional impact of that fateful day. It's a film chock-full of THC-themed goodness, and I am psyched to get into it. The deep-diving director and Argentinian alien encounter chronicler, the maker of 8mm magic, Alan, welcome to the higher side. 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for this introduction. <laughs> I try, man. And thanks for doing this. It's really been a while since I was compelled to watch a UFO documentary, but there is a lot to like about yours. First, the encounter itself is pretty spectacular, as are the lasting effects from it. But also, I'm a big Jacques Vallée fan, and Jacques actually met with Juan when he was just a boy to talk about this encounter. And then Juan's case made it into some of Jacques' writings. And now four decades later, you and Jacques go and meet with Juan and really try to help him heal from this. Because it was an experience that deeply affected his life. And obviously, we're going to break down that encounter. But I wanted to ask you how Juan's case got on your radar and became the subject of your latest release, because I understand it's a somewhat directed story involving automatic writing and synchronicity, right? Yes. Yeah, it was pretty weird. <laughs> it's a change of events. I was writing a script seven years ago. I was doing automatic writing, but at the time I was trying to improve my skills of writing, and I was writing a fiction story about a couple that suffered an abduction. The girl suffered an abduction and was kidnapped by entities, and she got pregnant. And after 30 pages, I start to say what I'm writing, why I'm doing this, <laughs> this stuff, because my field of work and research was more archaeology, the search of lost civilizations rather than UFO or the supernatural world. So then I stopped and I remember I bought the book from John Mack. And also I bought a book from a psychiatrist and a psychologist from Argentina that put together in this book plenty of cases of Argentina. And one of the chapters was about Juan Perez. And while I was presenting my previous movie in Rosario, it's a city in Argentina, in the cinema, in the audience, was the author of this book. Wow. And while I was speaking to this audience, I was grabbing this book with my hand. And he was really surprised and shocked because he left the investigation of UFO and aliens about 15 years, and he said, why is this thing coming to me again? And the next day, we spent the whole day together. We ate a pizza, and while we were eating, he started to tell me about one of the most significant cases from his research, and it was the Juan Spurs case. And he showed to me one of his footage and it's on the movie, it's at the beginning of the movie, we saw Juan when he's 18 years old, he's in a UFO Congress trying to speak to an audience about what he saw, what he experienced, and he's not able to start speaking, he grabbed his head and he said something like, you won't trust me, you won't believe me. And when I saw that footage, I felt something really strange. I felt a connection with Juan, with his case, with his tale. And immediately after, I asked Dr. Berlanda that I wanted to meet Juan. And he was living by that time in a very far house in the countryside, in a very isolated way. 
And after four months, I went there. I met Juan. It was one of the most significant meetings that I ever had. For me, it was the first time that I met someone who dealt with the supernatural, with the unknown. And I remember I was having my DSLR camera. I tried to make a short film because I never thought that I was going to make a film out of it. And while Juan was trying to explain what he saw, what he experienced, he started to cry. And then I stopped my camera because I was not, I felt really strange trying to record while he was crying. So then I stopped, I sat next to him and I just listened to what he was telling me. And I remember his last words when we were saying goodbye, he told us something like, please come back. Don't forget about me. And I kept Juan in my head during four years after plenty of research studying about the UFO phenomenon, I realized that one of the most important things of these studies are the human aspect of the UFO phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I felt very confident in order to make a movie. So I spent three months making this script, tried to fund my movie also. And then I started three years ago, and now we have the movie ready to everyone. <laughs> yes, it is a very cool story. And the fact that you end up really kind of healing a broken man, so to speak, and giving him some answers, it makes the whole thing feel that much more purposeful. But to make sure everyone is on the same page and understands Juan's story, tell us about the encounter he had when he was a boy, so that people have the context they need before we can really dive into it. Yes. Well, let me say, when Juan was 12 years old, Juan was a very shy child. His grandfather passed away two years before this contact, and his grandfather was a very special person for him. It was his guide. He was the one who taught Juan to hunt, to live in the countryside, to connect with the animals, with the nature. And two years after, Juan had this contact. It was six o'clock in the morning of September 6, 1978. Juan leaves his house to go in search of the herd of horses to begin the task of the field. And before going to school, Juan has tricked task to do. His father was very severe with him and Juan rides his horse Comet, that was the name of his horse Comet, and gallops a few meters until suddenly three lights in the sky began to dance frenetically. His horse was scared. He did not want to move forward. So Juan returns home and explains the situation to his father. His father ignores him completely, so Juan returns and goes back with Comet and observes that the thick fog was covering the entire field. Without fear, he decides to cross it, but his horse was a little scared, so it was difficult for Juan to make him move forward. When crossing the fog bank, Juan sees 
that a white circular object was landed on the ground. Juan, in the original reports, mentions that he thought that he was seeing a kind of tractor or a house for farm workers. He never said the word ship, UFO, craft, whatever you want. And I want to hide this detail because Juan, throughout the whole experience, he always thought that he was seeing something that was familiar to him. He never thought that he was seeing aliens, extraterrestrials, or a UFO from outer space. So that was why he was not afraid of the whole experience. So when he was seeing this white circular object, a gate from it opens and a tall being looks out and invites him to go up. A ladder descends from the ship. Juan shyly approaches with his horse, gets off and ties the stirrups to the ladder. Juan climbs the ladder as he can. Each step is very high. So he finally succeeds and enters the ship. Juan sees a very strange space for him. On his left side, he observes that there is a small being, a meter and a half tall, who is cutting meat on a transparent table. Instead of hands, it has scissors. And instead of feet, it has wheels. The small being ignores the presence of Juan the whole experience. On his right side, he sees the tall being. He's about three meters tall. He's watching monitors and making hand movements as if he were typing on a touch screen. A very important detail is that in front of Juan, there is a transparent wall that prevents Juan from going to the other side. It was something like an electromagnetic field. So Juan tries to cross the wall with his hand but he can't. On the contrary, the small being moves from one place to another without problems. So suddenly, the gate begins to close and Juan is scared because he's afraid that his father will challenge him for being entertained. He quickly gets off the ship and sees that his horse was injured because he hit the ladder. So the tall being appears next to Juan and Juan asks him for help. Suddenly, the tall being squeezes Juan's arm and scratches him. I need to stop here because what happened was that in the original reports, after this tall being squeezed his arm, Juan returns his home. But before that, the tall being gave him a present, a glove from his arm as a souvenir in order one to be believed by the others, by the family, that this encounter was real. But before he arrived at his house, three little lights came out of this spaceship and got the gets off this glove. So Juan was not able to have this gift. This scene is not in the movie because what happened was that while we were doing the regression to Juan because we wanted to find evidences or to find if there is some lost memories during this event, what happened was that after this tall being started to squeeze Juan's arm, 
one make a little noise or something like, wow. And he's starting to describe that he was seeing a lot of stars. Suddenly he was traveling or seeing, having a vision. We don't know. But he started to say, wow, this is beautiful, the skies. And he was like traveling with plenty of other beings. There was not just this tall being. There were plenty of others around him. And before the end of the regression, Juan saw something that was really powerful and emotional to him that we needed to stop there. Dr. Nestor Berlanda decided to stop there, the regression, because it was two hours of regression and it was so emotional and powerful to him that we needed to stop there. And I don't want to say what he saw because I prefer that you see the movie, hmm. but it was something that it was really powerful to him. And it has to be with the idea because Juan by that time was asking to this tall being, why to me? Why to me? And Juan had an answer, a very special, and we need to link that vision with this question. Why is this happened to me? Why you choose me? Mm -hmm. Yes, that is a great summary. It is a very intense story with a lot of detail. And, of course, authenticity is a big factor because anyone can say anything. Yes. But in this case, we have a simple farm boy in Argentina. He was only 12. He'd never seen a sci-fi movie or anything like that. He has a physical mark left on his arm. Nobody believed him. He had no reason to come up with this story. And then there's that video you mentioned of Juan standing at the podium in a crowded room set to talk about his experience, and he just completely breaks down into tears. It's very telling that this kid experienced something real and it's not easy for him to talk about. And of course, now he is an adult man, but this has followed him through his whole life, through 40 years, right? Exactly. It's really hard to show hardcore evidences from UFO cases. We had it. For example, you mentioned that he had a mark on his right arm. For example, the horse, Comet, died 24 hours later. There was also a mark on the grass where the UFO landed. But I think those evidences are not enough to prove that the UFO phenomenon is something that is real. Mm -hmm. So as a filmmaker, I try to focus in the evidence that for me is one of the most important things that is the trauma. The trauma is real. We have someone who was carrying something really, really big in a psychological aspect or way for more than four decades. We don't know what Juan saw. We don't know if we are dealing with aliens from another planet or if we are dealing with a vision or a shamanic appearance or if we are dealing with interdimensional or multidimensional beings and also I don't care <laughs> because this is something really big to deal. I prefer to help a person to try to help him in order to put all the pieces together and 
thanks to the story of Juan, try to reflect about or meditate about the idea of the unknown or the supernatural with the help of Jack Ballet, with the shamans, because this movie has plenty of voices. We have the voices from the spiritual realm, thanks to the shamanic view from one of the most important indigenous cultures from South America, that they are the Guaranis. We have the voice of the science, thanks to the psychiatrist and Jack Ballet. For me, it was really beautiful to see these voices that are in the same way of thinking. They seize the supernatural connection in the same way with different ways of communicating, but they are speaking the same language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and this is where we really should give some credit to Jacques Vallée because he was one of the people that really opened up this ufology field by saying, hey, these aren't just alien ships from space. That conclusion leaves out way too much data. Something's going on within the consciousness of these experiencers. Some don't see ships at all. Some see the Virgin Mary, for Christ's sake. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, he really expanded beyond this ET hypothesis, and to spend some time with him had to be pretty great. I mean, he was involved with J. Allen Hynek and Project Blue Book, as well as Russell Targ's remote viewing research. I'm sure that you spent a lot of time with Jacques that wasn't in the film. Did he give you any added insight or information about his <laughs> latest studies or realizations when it comes to this stuff? Well, I remember one of the last days of his trip, we were having a dinner in Buenos Aires. And I asked him, well, Jack, after so many decades of research, of studying, what is your conclusion? What we are dealing? What is the UFO? Please tell me. I will keep the secret with me. Don't worry. <laughs> And he laughed, he laughed a lot, and he said something like, I don't know, I still don't know what we are dealing, but I can assure you that the most important thing of this UFO phenomenon is that create bridges or links between people, because thanks to the UFO phenomenon, I was able to meet Juan and meet you, Alan. And for me now, on my age, is the most important thing and lesson of this phenomenon, that the UFO phenomenon connects people and we are able also to help them because we have so much to learn from these contactees or abductees that we don't know yet. He was speaking on the ufologist side, that we are so worried about what the contactees saw, for example, what was plenty of details about the entities or the shape of the UFO, that we tend to forget that there is an impact on the consciousness of these contactees. And it's really important to make a follow-up in the long term, because we were going to be able to find new evidences. And other thing that he told me that The contact itself is just the beginning of this journey for these people. In the case of Juan, I can assure you it was like that because after four years of meeting Juan, Juan was able to remember that he had other cases, other experiences after 
this event. Mm. And the last one was just two years before. It was after the movie. And also, I found out that his mother was also a contactee when she was a child. And this was a very top secret for her. Even Juan didn't know that his mother suffered the same thing. So it's really important to make a follow-up in these cases because we were going to be able to find plenty of new information to understand the nature of the reality and also the UFO phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Well said. And yes, it is a little unique, I mean, very unique, that this movie revisits a person 40 years later to see how it's affected them. They're still dealing with aspects of it. This thing you just mentioned about Juan's mom being an experiencer, I think that is mind-blowing because she was very tight-lipped about it. She didn't want to talk about it because she's like, if we ignore the problem, maybe it'll go away. I don't want my son to get taken. Exactly. Um, you know, she had all these real fears and that's legitimate. But what does it say about the multi-generational aspect? You mentioned his grandfather earlier. I mean, this is where I think the documentary really shines because so many abductees or contactees have this in their family line. And he was so concerned about being kind of isolated with this case. He didn't have anyone he could connect with. And meanwhile... <laughs> He's got family who says, yeah, I know what you're experiencing. They just didn't kind of let him in on it. Exactly, exactly. And he thought the whole time he was the only one in the whole world that had this kind of experience. And one of the most traumatic things for him was the consequences of the encounter. And one was the premonition dreams that he was starting to have. Every night, every night when he go to sleep, he started to, on his own words, he was entering a real dream. He told me that this dream was more real than our reality. And for him, it was a living curse because he was dreaming about accidents, about death from his colleagues friends, family, and he thought that he was his fault. He was feeling guilty because he thought that he was actually producing this reality thanks to his dreams. Hmm. Yes, prophetic dreams. I mean, he started having the same dream every night and it felt more real than waking life. That's correct? Exactly. Ah. Correct. Correct. But he was able also to distinguish from the ordinary dream because, for example, he told me that if he go to sleep on his left side, he will enter a normal dream, an ordinary one. But if he suddenly during the night flips to the right side, he will enter a real dream. He knows how to distinguish one dream to another. And when he enters a real dream, He's more real than when we are wake up. Hmm. I think that is so amazing. There's definitely some connection. It it seems to be in his case that this place where he was touched, it's like if he's sleeping on that side, it's one thing or the other side, it's another. And it seems 
I mean, pretty obvious that it's related to that touch. Exactly. That's what I was going to tell you. It is related because it's the same spot that is the spot of the mark. Right. Man. And you also mentioned his mom and her previous experience, but there's also something interesting about her. And I this resonated with me when I heard you talk about it because I met someone who said the same thing. They said they didn't like to be touched mm. because a certain thing happens when they're touched. And, and what, what did she tell you? Wow. Well, she didn't tell me because she's really shy. Juan told me that after the movie, after this process, her mother was so happy that she felt really relieved seeing Juan that he was again happy, that he recovered his life. And she confessed to Juan that she also had this experience when she was a child. And also she explained to Juan why she doesn't like to be touched. It was the first time that she revealed this information. And she told Juan that she felt everything, every, for example, if I touch her, she will feel that all my fears, what will happen to me in a year or two years. And sometimes she sees some things that are not really good images or happy moments. She will probably see bad things and she doesn't like to see those things because this is my opinion. Perhaps now that I know her, she felt responsible for seeing those things and she doesn't want to be the one who had this responsibility because she likes to live her life pretty normal. She doesn't like to be a shaman. <laughs> but I know from my research that her father was something similar to a shaman. So for my way of understanding, the UFO phenomenon came to this family as an indigenous call or culture call or lineage called, you can put the name you want, but it is something that is related with her lineage because she carries on his blood a shamanic lineage that was cut off when his father or the grandfather of Juan passed away. Right. Sometimes people might have this in their lineage, but especially today, especially Americans, we know so little about our family history, just going back even two, three generations, it's easy to see how something like this could be lost if it wasn't carefully cultivated and passed along and the person given context for what their lineage is. Exactly, exactly. The lineage, it comes to Aiden and Eve, and UFO phenomenon is not new. For my way of understanding, we are dealing with a UFO Phenomena that comes from the first night of the humanity. So, <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating to see the UFO phenomena as a whole, that it's connected to humanity, to our consciousness. And we don't know why or when was the first contact. But for my way of understanding, there is a relationship and a connection between not only the afterlife, the consciousness 
the collective unconscious and the UFO phenomenon and ourselves. Yes, I'm very much on the same page with you. I think it's all in the soup. And a big part of your film is speaking with these shamans in Paraguay. And you interview several of them. They have a more spiritual take on these experiences. But it's just amazing to hear from these wise, old, illuminated folks living off the grid, simple lives. These are the exact places that I would like to see filmmakers go to get insights into these types of things or what it is to be human. Tell us a little bit about them. I mean, how did they get looped into this film and, mm. and what similarities does Juan have to them? Well, my first step for this project was to go to the jungle, to Paraguay, to meet these shamans, because my inner question was if there is a connection between the lineage and the UFO phenomenon. So I prefer that my first step was going to the origin of Juan, directly to his lineage. So I went there. The first community that I met was the closest one. The shamans for the Guarani tribes are really friendly, but they don't like to connect with white men. <laughs> they had their reasons. We can assume that. But I went there, and the first night I was received by Plutarco, and he told us that he already knew our questions, our quest, why we are there. He dreamt about our visit the previous night. So we were shocked and we were really surprised. And he told us that he was going to reveal us all the secrets about the supernatural world that was never revealed to a white man. So he was welcoming us. So we spent two nights there. And we visit other communities from the Guarani nation. And for me, it was one of the most beautiful experiences because I understood the way that they perceived the UFO phenomenon. Because before that, I was trying to deal how to explain to them the word UFO phenomenon because for my... But that time, my perspective of the UFO phenomenon was something that was not linked to the past or to the supernatural realm. It was something, you know, it's like a machine. And I don't know if in the jungle they are connected with this reality. So I, I try to find words that are similar to a UFO. So I try to describe them. So I went there with images, images of one, of UFO sightings. He was never surprised in any words. I was also very surprised and shocked because when he started to explain his way of perceiving this reality, his words were the same that Dr. Jacques Vallée had in his book. He was telling me that this phenomenon is real, 100% real, but it doesn't come from this universe or realm. It comes from a realm that is next to us, but it's not from this dimension. It doesn't come from this universe. It comes from another dimension. They call these beings as Tupamiri. Tupam means God and Miri, little. So 
they refer to these beings as little gods that comes from the realm of God or something like that. But another detail that was really, really powerful for me was that this phenomenon, when it enters this dimension or this reality, what we see, it is not real. It's something that this phenomenon connects to our consciousness and to our way of perceiving reality, but the shape is anolographic. It's not something that is real. So saying that, he told me that we need to be really aware of what we are seeing because this phenomenon has two sides. One side represents the goodness and the other side comes from the dark side. For me, it was listening to the Star Wars. So, <laughs> yeah. And he and she, also Sylvia, another shaman, told me the importance to not be blinded by this light. So, in a way, we don't have to worship. That was what she was telling me. Because we need to know from which side they represent. So, they had tools to identify them. For example, they have songs and chants, ancestral chants, in order to obligate that light or that entity to identify. Mm. And in the case of Juan, Silvia gave to Juan a very ancient chant that is not on the movie. Oh, yes, yes, sorry. It is on the movie, but it's in the minute 15, something like that, when Juan is riding a horse, she started to sing. And this chant is to confront, to not be afraid, because one of the messages that they gave to Juan was that he doesn't need to be scared or afraid from this phenomenon. He had to be very confident, very secure of himself and not to be afraid. There is no necessity to be scared. So I spent 10 days in the jungle, my first trip, and my second trip was with Juan. At the end of the movie, you see that Juan reunite them. It was really emotional for Juan because he felt that he recovered a very special piece for his soul, because he lost his connection with his roots. And for me, it was really, really special. And I also reflect about my origins, because I also broke my lineage, my religion, my culture. So I step away. For me, it was very, very powerful for my own experience. It's not in the movie, but it was part of my inner journey. Yes, man. Isn't it funny how that works out? I feel a similar thing myself with what I currently do and then actually reconnecting with stories from before I was born in my family. It almost seems like a destiny of sorts. But mm. um, I just love the insights from the shaman saying, look, don't be overly astonished with this stuff. Like you don't need to start a religion because so many people do. There's these UFO cults or these people become... Uh, they get a Jesus complex, like, oh, I've been contacted, I've been touched, Yes, you know, follow me. And these shamans are like, 
bro, this is nothing special. This is like, you know, like we do this all the time. Like uh, we can contact these things. And when you talk about their protocols, chanting, yes, summon, it almost sounds like magic, like banishing negative entities, bringing in the good ones. This sounds like exactly the occult. Ian, you said the right word. There is a protocol. And what she was telling me is exactly that. Because it's really easy to feel that I'm the chosen one. I had the messianic archetype. So I like the ambassador of this entity. Follow me. I will guide you to the stars. But sometimes you are being manipulated by this force of this phenomenon. So that's why she was telling me that, whoa, whoa, slow down. We need to be (laughs) very, very careful when we contact the supernatural realm. There are plenty of forces on that realm, and you need to be protected. And the Guarani had the rules, had the protocol, and somehow in Western side, we forgot this protocol. We used to have it, but with the capitalism, progressism, religion, plenty of stuff, we tend to see the past as an old-fashioned way of living. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to learn more about the past than to see the future as a techno, new age way of living. Amen. Amen, man. And uh, I get really excited over that idea of entities and not taking them at face value because, you know, not to get too taboo or off topic, but you look at the major religions and how many wars have been fought the spreading of Christianity and how many indigenous cultures were destroyed. And a lot of these people never had a direct experience with this quote unquote God, but they have priests who are like, Hey, follow me. And God has great things in store for you. But it's like, if you look at the actions of some religions of the past and present, they can be quite dark. And it's like, do you really know what you're channeling your energy into? I mean, you got to be quite careful. Exactly, exactly. That was their message, not just for me. She know that I was recording. It was a message to all of us. And also Plutarco in the movie, he said something like, my words, probably no one will care. From 100 people, probably one or not even one. I don't know, but I need (laughs) to spread this message. I love it. I love it. That is the power of technology to go to those off the radar places where there just aren't cameras and extract a message that can be propelled out. I just love the mechanics there. But so I wanted to switch gears a little bit before we get through this first hour to ask you about your other passion before this film and this project that seems to be your next film, The Secret of the Inner World, because I'm very interested in inner earth mysteries, lost civilizations, underground tunnel systems, and all that sort of stuff. And it seems as if you're also interested in that stuff. Yes. I'm in this field for more than 10 years. And I did my first movie, Humano, thanks, because it was a journey with a shaman across all the Andes. It's something like a spiritual film about life, about death. But I went there because I wanted to investigate the Lake Titicaca. It's a lake that is shared between Peru and Bolivia. And there is an ancient 
megalithic structure below the water underground. And because I was trying to find traces, footprints of this civilization. In the Andes, they were called the Wiracochas. But it has plenty of names in different civilizations. And now I'm preparing a new project, a new book, a new book, sorry, a new movie. <laughs> and it's about the journey that we are going to lead to the Andes, to Egypt, to India. In the India, we are going to dive into the secret knowledge of the Vedic culture, the Vedas. Yes. In the Vedas, it says that in the beginning of humanity, there was a war of two civilizations or two kinds of entities. One was the Asuras and the other one was the Devas. And you will find the same archetype in plenty of places. You will find it also in North America with the Hopis, in the Andes with the Quechuas. And the whole point of this movie is to show that in an ancient time, probably 20 or 30,000 years ago, after the last ice age, there was a civilization. It was like a mother civilization in the golden age that gave birth to plenty of cultures, to the Sumerians, Egyptians, Mayas, Aryans, that probably came from the Arctic zone and moves to India. And there they started to create the Vedic tradition. So the whole idea is to expose this big idea that will shift the our prehistorian, proto-historian. And the end of the movie, after these trips to these different places, the idea is to expose a hardcore evidence of this civilization doing a real excavation in the heart of the Andes, in Peru, in Cusco, we are going to excavate there with an archaeological team that I'm part of this team. I'm the head of the field department of this association. And the idea is to excavate in Cusco in order to find the tunnels that are mentioned in the Spanish chronicles, in the Incas legends, and to expose and reveal that this civilization is real and it was settled in the Americas way before that are the Incas. Because you know that now we are in a very big struggle in the academic world in science because we don't know the origin of men in the Americas. It is said that comes from Asia and started to come to South America thanks to North America. But the evidence from the archaeological side, it's way much more different. And one of the most important writers that are dealing with this battle is Grant Hancock. Hopefully, we are going to have him on board because from my perspective, he's the one who is challenging 
the academic world saying that, for example, a comet came to the Earth and with that begins the last ice age. He's doing, for me, the right work. And also the other researcher that went to find these evidences, the proof is Anselm Pirambla. He was the one who excavated in the Coricancha, the ancient Inca temple of the sun. Now it's a church, obviously. But below this church, there is this ancient entrance to the tunnel. And it is said that according to the chronicles, all the Andes is a big network of tunnels and chambers. And we need to find this as a proof. And it is really important because it is related with our origin. And no one should prohibit this knowledge. Even the church, the government, now it's the time to reveal this knowledge. Because now it is hidden. It's still hidden. Yes. Awesome. And man, this has been really great. You put out a very unique film that contains a lot of nuance and not one mention of the military. So I'm into it. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, man. It really seems like this phenomenon is way closer to something spiritual or metaphysical than it is anything we need the Navy or Air Force for. But that's just me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's useless money to spend millions on radars or antennas in order to prove this. But it's not my money, but I prefer to spend on research, on consciousness, on making, yeah, to understand the nature of our reality. We don't know nothing about reality. We say plenty of things about reality, but at the end, we don't know what is reality. In the case of Guarani tribes, for them, it's way much more important the dream world rather than our reality when we are waking up. So, yeah, there are plenty of works to do. Yes, indeed. And before we go here, is there anything more to tell the listeners? Obviously, the film is called Witness to Another World. It's available on all digital platforms. Anything else? Social media links, other websites? The main website is witnessofanotherworld.com. And the good news is that on December 15, it will be available also on Amazon Prime for US. Oh, cool. Just for any subscriber or for a fee? No, it's for all the subscribers that has Amazon Prime will be able to see it for free. Awesome. Wow, that's uh, pretty great. It's going to coordinate really well with this uh, release of this interview. (laughs) It is, it is. Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, before I let you go, how long are we going to have to wait for Secret of the Inner World? I'm really psyched for that one. Is it just a, a funding thing? Yeah, it's a fun. No, it's not just a funding thing because now in development stage i'm still reading i'm putting all the pieces together to make the script but hopefully if i find a good producer i will be able to start next year i I hope so it's a matter of money and time that's it it's the same story (laughs) it is it is and then hopefully you'll be cracking that alchemy case next yes it is i want to make an alchemy i don't know if i want to make a fiction one or a documentary but definitely it is really necessary to speak about this ancestral knowledge 
I love it. I love it. Well, definitely stay in touch if that's your path. But for now, man, thanks again for your time and for your film and take care out there. Thank you so much, Greg. I really enjoy it. And thank you so much. You got it. Happy days and hallelujah, people. That's what I'm talking about. A deep dive into one particularly impactful entity encounter that checks many of the boxes on Santa's higher side list. Physical contact, seeing the beans, not just the craft, lifelong dream experiences as a result, contact from ancestors, a shamanic lineage. It's great. And as we said, it's a much richer and deeper lens to view this stuff through than the militaristic one of To The Stars Academy. In fact, I just saw a quote from Dr. Diana Posulka along the lines of, Tom DeLonge shouldn't make fun of people who have religious experiences because it's all wrapped up in the same phenomenon, and the Silicon Valley Invisible College that she's interacted with are believers in a spiritual good and evil. So maybe Tom is missing a big piece of the puzzle. I thought he was an expert on this stuff, but hey. For me, I'd rather look at a story like this rather than one that is essentially a Navy pilot saw a thing once. And to be honest, when the production team for this film first reached out, it seemed like we were going to get Jacques Vallée himself on the show along with Alan, and it fell through. But I saw the film... And I also, of course, really liked Alan's other work, his other passions, where he wants to further explore the inner Earth. And I thought, let's do it anyway. It's a good story. Alan can share some insights from Jacques, and we can talk about that inner Earth thing. And I'm happy with it. I think Alan made for a great guest. And it's also Christmas week. Why shouldn't we celebrate Juan's story and the relief and closure that he got during the process of this documentary. I think it lines up pretty nicely with a holiday such as this. It's a positive thing, and it's largely about family. And if you're interested in hearing or seeing the shamans firsthand, which is a real rarity, or if you're interested in getting a better gauge on Juan to see how you feel about this story, I would definitely recommend the film. I like lending support and the old THC endorsement to projects that support this idea that the whole phenomenon is bigger than aliens in a flying saucer. And I hope you understand why. I'm sure you do. But that said, big thanks to Alan again and to his people for sending this to us. Again, the film is called Witness of Another World. I think I might have said to another world at one point, but it is of and as Alan said, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. Seems like you gotta go to Amazon to hear from the shamans in more ways than one. And I'm sure that just the viewer numbers are gonna be a big deal for Alan's career, for his next project, for how everything's received. And if we show this production team that the Higher Side Chats is a better vehicle than some of the other shows they put Alan and Jacques on, we'll get better opportunities too. So help me help you. Gotta play the game to win. And you can call me the Palpatina podcast, and I guess. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely kidding there. But I guess I should also apologize for pulling the joint session at the last second. I was pretty sick this week, 
and I'd actually fallen asleep before I could post that I wasn't going to make it, and then I woke up after it should have started, so apologies if you were waiting. We're going to do one, though, the day after Christmas, December 26th, 7 p.m. Pacific. I'll get that link up on the site when I can, but come over if you want to get involved with that. Obviously, something we talked about in the Plus Show actually came up on the last joint session. Also, for Plus people, I did get the bonus content page reworked. All the songs are there, bonus episodes that never came out except for to Plus people. The Q&A shows, which we should do another one of, but also the joint sessions. All of them are back up if you're interested in combing through them. I know 75% of people just want good interviews. They really only pay attention to the core stuff I do, which makes sense because it's the best thing I do. But I still try to throw in little extras just to show appreciation, just to sweeten the deal, try on other hats. You get it. But if you're a plus person, check that bonus content page out. I'm sure you'll find something there that you might have missed or maybe wasn't on the old one now that everything's better organized. And speaking of the core show, got another YouTube strike. This time for David Icke's last appearance about the trigger and the satanic death cult that caused 9-11. It's a show that's been up there for two months, but they looked it over and they think that it is hate speech. So I'm not surprised. We have been talking about this for a long, long time. If you listen to the Higher Side Chats on YouTube, I wish you would stop and just get a podcast app like a normal person and plug us right on in there because that way the corporate behemoths at Google and YouTube cannot come between us as they're trying to do. In the fine print of this particular strike, they told me that I should be able to continue posting But if I get another one, that posting privilege will be revoked and I'll be put back in YouTube timeout. Again, don't really care about YouTube. I think it's kind of messed up how we give them so much power and so many content creators are basically living or dying by what YouTube decides to do this week. And that's stupid. So as a person making a show, I'm going to continue to put it there until I can't anymore but I need you to be aware of how limited THC's life might be on YouTube. And I hope that, you know, I've been creating this content for you for a long time, and I just hope that maybe you're loyal to that, even though we don't really know each other. And just because YouTube makes it slightly more difficult for you to listen, that doesn't break us apart. I mean, it's Christmas, guys. Come on. Also, for Plus People, I did send out an email with a little video and a few steps to move old accounts into the new subscription system from this year. And a lot of you did. Thank you so much. And a lot of people said, well, I never have a problem with my account, so I guess I don't have to do this. Well, you haven't had a problem because I've been making a manual fix for you every month since August, and you just haven't noticed. And I can't keep up with it anymore. So please complete those steps before you have an issue or it's going to take me a while to fix because I got family stuff going on for the holidays. My inbox is pretty full already. So if you got the email, please do the thing. I'm one guy trying to communicate with uh, many, many people at once. And as for the plus content in today's show with Alan, we talked about hidden treasure in Peru 
We talked about the costs of a true underground excavation project. I was just saying on a previous show that some of these things, eventually I'm like, why isn't THC just saying, okay, we're going to just do this. But <laughs> it came up again. And we talked about Anslum pre-Rambla, the Taos Caves in Ecuador, Juan's recurring and prophetic dreams, deeper insights from Jacques Vallée about the contact experience, more details about contact experiences and Juan's case, differences in interpretation here in the U.S. versus South America, my favorite detail from the Plus Show, apparently real UFO artifacts just on display in a obscure Argentinian UFO museum, and the icing on the cake, we talked about the six months of indigenous rituals that Alan participated in during the making of his first film, Humano. So another plus podcast packed with conspiratorial and paranormal goodness, and I hope you come along for the ride. Sign up for Plus, I could use you, and you could use me. <laughs> I guess, maybe. But big thanks to Alan, great stuff, I hope you're intrigued. But that is it for now. Joint session in just a couple of days. Two more shows coming out before the end of the year. Enjoy Christmas. Try to find common ground with your friends and family in a time of chaos and conflict. Try to nurture your real-world human interactions in an era of digital middlemen for pretty much everything. And just have a good time. Take a break from your troubles. Take a break from the old 9 to 5. And spread a little love. And with that, I'm getting out of here. You're all the best. A couple more shows coming at you, and then it's off to 2020. I've done my part. Your move, etheric entities, Amazonian shamans, and craft captains of the greater cosmos. Your fucking move. Woke up this morning with light in my eyes And then realized it was dark outside it was a light coming down from the sky I don't know who or why Must be those strangers that come every night Whose saucer-shaped light put people uptight Leave blue-green footprints that glow in the dark I hope they get home alright Hey, Mr. Spaceman Won't you please take me along I won't do anything wrong Hey you please take me along the high side? Woke up this morning, I was feeling quite weird. I had flies in my beard, my toothpaste was smeared. I opened my window, they'd written my name. See you up again Hey 
Uh-huh.